0: I'm Matthew, I'm Marty, I'm Carlos, and we are the Heroes 3. Welcome to Heroes 3, the bi-weekly podcast where three friends explore the best, worst, and everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. And this week we are closing out our look at Stephen Chow movies for the time being with possibly the biggest movie we've ever talked about uh, in terms of uh, in, in the United States. And that is Kung Fu Hustle. From two thousand five, two
1: thousand four, two thousand four, yeah. and it came out in the US in two thousand
0: five. Yeah. Okay, that's okay because because you see both dates that makes sense. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, from two thousand four slash two thousand five, and uh, directed of course by Stephen Chow and starring a lot of old favorites from the podcast, which is really which is going to be really cool to, to talk about.
2: Yeah, totally. And the um the literal title in Chinese is actually yeah. Gong Fu. and yeah. boy. Uh, we were chatting just a little bit before uh, rolling with the mics, but this is a film that all three of us uh, had a relationship with, you know, before getting through this arc. And I'm guessing for each of us, the movie is, is yeah, is almost a new, a new piece of work now. Um, just with our experience with all these great Hong Kong films and yeah. especially um recently kind of seeing all these great Stephen Chow films back to back. But thinking of that title, even though I think it's probably one of the best English um, kind of localized titles, like in the history of Hong Kong movies, it's such, (laughs) it's such a great title and it really captures the spirit of the movie. Um, But you can really view this film through this lens of um, kind of honoring the past, honoring the, like, your elders, honoring the traditions of Hong Kong filmmaking, really. And honestly, I was getting tons of feels um, watching it this time because for my money, Kung Fu Hustle is the last great Hong Kong film um, before kind of the new uh, sort of world and political order um, that we experience these days when it comes to Hong Kong and Chinese uh, filmmaking. And it's, I think, such a fitting tribute that so much of the film is really um, celebrating some great old actors that uh, we've encountered on the podcast. But it's awesome. It's not just old actors that haven't gotten a moment to shine in a while, but it's almost kind of older um like supporting actors and actresses and i don't know there's just something about kind of the the goals and the intention of the movie that were just hitting me in a whole new way this time and just yeah damn i just love it
1: yeah super good time um i i saw this in the theater when it was released in the u.s which was really exciting and this was like uh, i had mentioned you know we we talked about shaolin soccer we haven't covered it yet but um everybody that saw Shaolin soccer was just super electrified to see what would be next. And I think that Kung Fu Hustle came out in almost the perfect time for it to come out. Cause like yeah, here in the totally. U S or in the West, we already kind of got like, uh, our, we already like greased the wheels with like crouching tiger, hidden dragon. And it had such a claim behind it. And then even like, uh, Zhang Yimou, I think it's like Hero is like right around the same time. Yeah. So it's like pulling all of the things that were already kind of climbing that mountain of popularity. So, like, even Rumble and the Bronx and Jackie's kind of rise in that yeah, decade for sure. before yeah. this. And like The Matrix. It, and, and yeah, and you really, Wu Ping yeah. and The Matrix and all of this stuff all basically culminated in Kung Fu Hustle in like the perfect way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, it's so and,
2: interesting. You're, you're right. Like at that late nineties, early two thousands, there seemed to be a market for, you know, Chinese language films over here in, in the States. And, um, I remember, uh, Kung Fu Hustle was able to be marketed in a really kind of interesting way. It's funny. The, the Hong Kong version, um, it was co-financed by the Beijing Film Company and then by Sony Columbia. And at home, they used the Colum- classic Columbia banner. But then um, on the stateside release, they used the the Sony Pictures classic Sony, banner, yeah. which is more of kind of like the indie or prestige film. And um, they were able to market it both kind of as this prestige you know, foreign language film and <laughs> this kind of like appeal to all demographics mainstream comedy, which is awesome.
0: Yeah, it's uh I, I didn't see this whenever it first came out. I saw it is I mean it was a bit ago now, it was probably eight or so years, but I saw it because it was on Netflix for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those like I had heard of it. I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And I remember really liking it, but it wasn't like, you know, mind blowing or whatever. I was just like, oh yeah, that's a really cool movie. But whenever I watched it this time, it, especially after watching all these other Stephen Chow movies, it's like it feels like just Stephen Chow's brain was just put into like a jar and projected onto a screen. Dude, totally. <laughs> like it is just everything that he loves and expresses his love for in his movies, like his love for classic cinema, both like Hong Kong stuff and you know Western stuff, uh, especially U.S. stuff, uh, like cartoons and gags and things like that like vaudeville kind of comedy while also you know having legit like action scenes and you know stuff directed by uh, Samo hung and stuff
2: yeah totally well and it's been so cool watching this little um run of films i feel like with each movie you see steven kind of like tightening the screws um and sharpening his craft like further and further. And it really culminates in this movie, which is just so airtight on so many on so many levels. Um, yeah, like directorially, and- it's just so confident and compelling, and again, very tight. Um, and it's it's so it's kind of seasoned when it comes to comedy, but also just storytelling and drama and revealing characters. And I mean, yeah, I mean this. Yeah, this movie really knocked a lot of folks out that didn't have any kind of context for it um, when it when it came over here.
0: And that's why it's also strange for me to say I'm not even sure if this was my favorite movie that we did in the Stephen Chow arc. Oh, <laughs> wow, that's cool. Because uh, yeah. I do like this movie a lot. I don't want you to get the wrong idea, but like I really loved King of Comedy and yeah. Forbidden City Cop. Like, they're, I mean, Love and Delivery is really good too. But I definitely, I know you can feel a lot of the kind of looseness with that a little more sure but sure. but like i i did laugh at a lot of stuff in kung fu hustle but like i laughed so hard at those earlier three movies and i feel like they were more more comedy comedies with like a bit of heart and and, and drama in it and this kind of feels more like a a kung fu wuja movie mm. first and a comedy second yeah. But, yeah, but it's I, Chow, I agree so with you. It's, I, it's sort of so, like, so
2: this, like this, like cinephile piece, um, and it, like, like you were saying, Matthew, you just see Stephen's brain kind of like on every, on every frame. It's um, he finally has this kind of power at his disposal, and you know, these years of seasoned craft to really. Yeah, to really make the statement he's probably always wanted to make. So yeah, it's, yeah, I I feel like I'm wowed by Kung Fu Hustle probably more than I'm than I'm laughing. I'm with I'm with you there, and like we've already kind of talked about in some of the earlier films. Yeah, I mean some of Forbidden City Cop and King of Comedy are are, are like so dear to dear to my mm-hmm. heart. It's like yeah, you'd have to pry him from like, you know, cold dead hands
1: or whatever. Um, <laughs> for for me, um, I I like that you mentioned the wuxia side of it, Matthew, because um, I've always loved this movie and I've seen it a bunch of times, but it really isn't up until now recording for this podcast that I really took a magnifying lens to that side of the film. And honestly, it's kind of opened my eyes to that. I, I mean, I really like to cover more wuxia stuff and I'd really like to learn more about it because... A lot of stuff that's just thrown into this, it's it, to me it's 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 a very direct homage to Wuxia, even though the setting is in a more modern setting. We're we're in the forties in Shanghai, but all of the major beats of the film tie directly to uh Wuxia, and even the techniques and even the um uh, you know the 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 names that are dropped throughout the film allude to that and uh I just I really appreciated that on a new level for this podcast so that that's pretty cool to me Dude, but um yeah, it's awesome i i do i I feel like this movie kind of in in a similar way to something like a uh drunken master or snake in the eagle shadow where it was like th- it just landed so hard and it kind of really you could see it that it would change the way people would approach this genre but the the kind of yeah. sad thing to me is that it really didn't Uh, take (laughs) off the way that you wanted it to because yeah it really was kind of
0: the end of of an era in a
1: way. yeah and i don't know it's just like the world appeal like it was just the world was ready for this movie (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know
2: (laughs) yeah totally and it's really like the like the whole tradition and legacy and history of hong kong filmmaking kind of leads up to this moment and it's this like high watermark or high Uh, sorry watershed moment but yeah it's when i think of like how hopeful it kind of made me feel at the time and how i view it now it's like oh man it's just yeah it's kind of weird contrast is crazy yeah
1: but let's celebrate the film yeah (laughs) Yeah, totally and it's just also this
2: is exciting you know the handful of times where we're covering a more well-known movie in the west um yeah it's it's um Nice knowing that uh, anyone list, you know, the odds of uh, listeners having a relationship with the movie are, are a lot higher than two. So it's kind of fun just having, yeah, more of a loose chat about stuff.
1: For sure. All
0: right. Well, let's take a look at the movie. But first, let's take a look at the back of the, I guess, DVD. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it might be fun to try to find if they're an actual back of the DVD I've description. I've got old- from, I'm like, holding like, from the DVD 2004. right now. Yeah.
2: Oh, <laughs> oh! Snap a pic,
0: dude. Yeah, yeah. Send a send a pic over. This is the actual back of the DVD for Kung Fu Hustle Axe Kicking Edition. From the brilliant imagination of Stephen Chow, director and star of Shaolin Soccer, comes the hilarious martial arts masterpiece Kung Fu Hustle. Sing Chow is a small time crook desperate to join the evil Axe Gang. When he stumbles into a local slum, his cocky behavior sparks an epic kung fu showdown between the town's landlords and the all-powerful Axe Gang. As the battle erupts, an unlikely hero transforms into the greatest kung fu master of all time. Packed with outrageous characters, stunning fight sequences by Sammo Hung and Yun Wu Ping, famed choreographer of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and The Matrix, and laugh-out-loud comedy, Kung Fu Hustle will knock you silly. So this movie actually has probably the most, like, solid story, I'd say, of the four movies we've done for this arc. Yeah, for um, sure. Where it it has it does have a little bit of the introducing a new threat in the last, like, 20 minutes or whatever, and that becomes the big thing. But that is, you know, that's that's a common thing in kung fu movies, and this is very much, you know, kind of like a, almost like a best of, and like, th- trying to, to kind of do something new while also staying true to that. Yeah, uh, totally. Heritage.
2: And, but, I, and I think kind of not since maybe um, once upon a time in China, have we encountered a Hong Kong film where like from a production point of view um, is so integrated. Um, I mean, one of the things that I think the three of us love about, especially, you know, kind of classic Hong Kong kung fu films is you get this sense that it's like okay quick we've got 20 minutes before the sun goes down um Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like oh that other movie like left like this location we can shoot here and kung fu hustle is um this kind of lush extravagant experience in the best way possible i think Um, this most of it was shot in shanghai and they're they built some incredible sets that they really take advantage of uh, throughout the film. And yeah, it's just really a kind of a feast to watch it.
1: Yeah. I think this is the first time over the course of the podcast that I've seen storyboards for a movie that we're talking about. <laughs> Dude, and, that's awesome. You know, like production art is something that I, you know, never saw in any of these uh, films that's, that we've covered. <laughs>
0: that's very true. Cause yeah. we've talked about so many times that these movies are like, Okay, we have this set of a village. What do we do? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure something out. Yeah
2: and, I mean, and the, that's what a, what that's an part of the magic of too. Pushing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, sorry to yeah, uh talk yeah. We're talk just so excited you. about um, this movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> way too excited. But I mean, uh like contrast this with Love on Delivery, where um you can clearly see Steve's like special genius, um, but it's it's very much like within the confines and the expectations of, you know, like a Wang Jing style comedy or something of that period. And um, film by film, project by project, Stephen Chow's really kind of pushing uh, his collaborators and his crew to deliver something much more on the level of like a Hollywood production. Um, and yeah, they really, I think, hit that target in Kung Fu Hustle, which is, is really... Uh, saying something um, a huge part of the success or I guess kind of just the the signature um, tone and look of the film um, does have to do with the special effects which is also not something we always get to talk about um, with <laughs> Hong Kong films especially classic films um, but uh, Centro Digital I think is the name of the it's like, yeah. it was a Hong Kong based um, special effects company I think they're still they're still active, I think, maybe mostly working on like Chinese productions. Um, but uh, they had previously worked on Shaolin Soccer and they did some effects for, I think, the Kill Bill films as well. Mm. Um, but Kung Fu Hustle, more than any uh, Hong Kong film up to this point, takes like massive advantage of CG effects. And so many of the sequences of the film are. Um, really designed to to kind of push uh, the reality or the surreality um, with the CG. And what's interesting is I was really bracing myself, um, like from a, a like effects point of view, to see how things would would hold up. Watching it now, <laughs> and I will say it's like obviously like rendering and maybe texture quality and simulation and stuff is you know shows its age here and there but i will say by and large the design of the sequences are almost always so strong um that really a lot so much more of it really held up for me than i was than i was kind of expecting i agree um, with that
1: yeah i i think that um what they did with what they had um was really smart there's um a couple of moments where they use cg for uh the actors themselves. And there's some moments where they do like maybe just a limb and it's pretty effective. And I, even though if you know what you're looking for, you, you can, you can see it. Um, I think, I think it sells it really well. Um, And the there,
2: f- there was really no Hollywood movie up to this point that I feel like was so kind of confident in how to use CG. It, it's almost like the movie kind of leans into what's kind of rubbery and sort of, uh, uncanny about CG even. And if you think about this compared to, you know, some like really famous bad CG of the time in the States, like the Scorpion King or, um, <laughs> what's that one where Brad Pitt gets hit by the car?
1: Meet um, Joe Black.
2: Yeah. Meet, meet Joe Black. <laughs> it's like yeah. a lot of that is, is usually like going for this realism that it will never have a prayer of like, of hitting, And the sequences in Kung Fu Hustle, it's like, they're, they're very dependent on like camera angle, editing, timing, crazy concept. Um, And again, it's like, it's, it does show its age in terms of like the quality of the rendering and everything. But um, so much of it, 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 like, I feel like the, the intention um, really kind of shines through with most of these sequences,
0: yeah. yeah. So the, the, I'm not 100% if I agree, but it, it I love, the, I, all of them have really cool ideas. And, but yeah, it, it definitely, you know, it's, it's one of those where it feels like it stands out, but I also haven't revisited a lot of early Audis action things to see the CG. And I'll bet it's not very great anywhere in the world. So,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but the ideas of a lot of stuff's really cool. And, um, and there's very few things that feel like, they could have accomplished it easily, at least with a uh, traditional special effects. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, whereas in a lot of Hollywood productions, it's like you very easily could have done that with just some, you know, camera trickery or some good makeup instead of uh, relying everything on CG. That's honestly, that's the biggest downfall of this is a different podcast, but sure, sure. Uh, that's one of the biggest downfalls of uh, Terminator three. <laughs> is is like it's just you know the the cg is just not good and there's a lot of cool set pieces that are completely limp because it's oh it's a computer explosion
1: cool (laughs) right (laughs) the other effect that we have of course is wires and i think that the wire work in this movie they use wires in this film in a way that i don't think i've seen in any other film and actually it's funny what i'm what i'm referring to do these held poses where it's like almost like you're looking at like a a still frame in the middle of action and um they use wires to orchestrate that and it just looks super super cool to me which also kind of goes in line with a lot of the the cartooniness of this film so right um, right there's almost an animator's eye behind a lot of these things and i think that that helps. yeah it helps sell the action really well and i mean also like slow motion is used so well in this film to me. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. I, I mean, we're, we're not even talking about the movie, yet, even though we are, but you know, as we are going through these action sequences, they're just so tasty. Yeah. <laughs> total.
2: I mean, really it's like um, kind of like we're saying, I mean, Kung Fu Hustle does appeal to just the cinephile that doesn't have any kind of background with Hong Kong action. Um, it's just a beautifully shot and um, framed and designed um, film um cinematography by uh, pun Hong song we should call it also it's like it an, another aspect where it's just kind of like the perfect timing like you guys have been saying it's like the, um it's almost like all the stars kind of aligned for this film even just the the quality of lenses and film stock and everything is just is a lot better than even you know a few years previously um and uh yeah i don't know <laughs> can can't say <laughs> I'll, I'll push this into the movie, him. but yeah, we should <laughs> so, we should push into the movie. This, yeah. The opening shot is oh, actually, there's the opening title is um, yeah, it's really great.
1: I, yeah, so it's a CG uh, kind of navigation through what you find is the logo, and there's a butterfly that's guiding you through, and that actually that butterfly is important <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in, a, sure. in an imagery way to where the movie will uh, leave you at the end. So uh, that's kind of mm-hmm. cool. But then we're introduced to kind of like a gangster situation where you've got a police station that's being the 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 police are being hassled by the gangsters and uh you've got
2: awesome long single take crane motion shot in the station and everyone's silent it's so great
1: yeah it's cool
0: yeah we first get introduced to the the crocodile gang who like, that seems to be the person kind of roughing it up. and Yeah, and you think, oh, these guys
1: are bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you quickly learn that these guys are kind of small time. And the real oh, villains of the film show up after oh, yeah. the uh, the crocodile gang has, like, they get trapped out in the street. They notice nobody's around. And, uh, and it's all this of a beautiful,
2: sudden, almost comic. Booker, matte painting-y like mm-hmm. yeah, 30s, 40s, Shanghai. It's uh it's so evocative.
1: Yep, and then we are introduced in to the Axe Gang, who is kind <laughs> of like a notorious. Um, I don't, I don't know too much about it. But when I think of the Axe Gang, I was trying to think a little bit, and um, there's yeah, the Drunken Master Two. Yeah, you know? Drunken Master mm-hmm. Two. Um, Boxer from Shantung, the Chen Quan Tai mm. film, I think that's from Ooh, early seventies. Yeah. Actually, oh Carlos Paul. Alright, so Hero, the, the <laughs> night the Corey Yoon film Hero is actually yeah. a remake of Boxer from Shantung. And Yun hua is in that movie, who is also in Dude, this movie.
2: Connection. Right.
1: Yeah, hey, there you go. I get some bonus points for that. There you go. Oh, we the should be the Kevin Bacon for Hong Kong. Like, yeah. Degrees of. I mean, kind of, yeah.
0: That'd be awesome. Or but just yeah, Wu Ma.
2: Um, yeah, or Wu sh- Ma, yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. They'll,
0: they'll just trade off.
2: Oh, Wu Ma might be too easy, though, right? That's right. <laughs> just like, right. Oh, no, he's in that movie. He's in that movie. He's in that movie. We should call out again Raymond Wong, uh, who we've before on the podcast and even though it's the same kind of tradition that we're used to where he's really only composed a few original pieces and then there's um really smart uh use of existing music existing classical music and licensing music um the original music that he did compose is really crucial for the movie and we have this kind of swanky swung um, piece that's used kind of whenever we see the Axe Gang. And actually, it's over that opening title with the butterfly as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, And we see this kind of massive group of the axed gang coming down the road and just picturesque shot after beautiful shot um, as who we thought was the bad guy gets surrounded by these people. Even a couple of like um, old 30s cars to pull up. Mm -hmm. It's it's awesome. And. Um, I just, I so love what Steven does with the storytelling here because this opening sequence gets extremely violent. It gets more violent and scary than the rest of the film. And what it does is it, it like, it hangs, it's like this cloud that hangs over the movie. So you really think that anything can happen. Um, you think that you, like the rules of the movie have just kind of demonstrated like, oh, wow, people can be violently killed, um... You might think it's funny, you might think someone's safe, but, but no. And then they never quite actually um, hit this level again, which is, yeah, I just, I love, I, I can't think of another movie that kind of plays its cards that way.
1: In uh, Raymond Wong's scoring, yeah, like that kind of swanky cue that you're talking about, it kind of helps play with the tone too, because... Uh, yeah, it,
2: totally. It's like, should I be laughing or yeah. am
1: I scared? even though you're in the middle of this scary moment, there's, like, some kind of comedy to it, where you get Danny Chan, who plays Brother Sum, who's basically the head of the Axe gang here, and um, he has this kind of... I don't know, he's maniacal in how he deals with things. Like, uh, he'll kill somebody, and then he'll just bust out into dance. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and
0: he's, like... Because one of the the gang shows up, this leader of the crocodile gang tries to make a run for it, and one of them throws an axe and there's this great slow-mo shot of him trying to run, but he can't put his other foot down because his leg's been cut off. Yeah. Yeah, that
2: shot And that's another example of like it's like, yeah, you can see the CG and it I suppose doesn't hold up, but the shot is so well designed. That shot's
0: really good. Not not Um, all I don't dislike all the CG in the movie. That shot really well.
2: Um but yeah, it's like that anyways, that kind of thing. And then I love so, yeah, then uh, Danny's character is, like, doing this kind of, like, swanky dance with his axe as he's going over to just murder this dude pretty savagely. And then we have this beautiful um, camera pan to reveal, like, his uh, his wife or his mistress in the background. And, yeah, very kind of manga or comic book uh, framing with a lot of this stuff. And she gives an incredible performance, and she's just teary-eyed, and she's like, please, you know, spare me, boss. And he says something about like, oh, yeah, I don't kill women. Just get out of here. And then she's kind of running off in the foreground. And then he does this waving gesture um, to someone off screen and they hand him this like pump action shotgun and he just blows her away. Um, yeah, this is. Uh, yeah. Again, this is also crucial because we're just. Yeah, we've painted just like such a terrifying character and the way that Steven uses that threat um i think it's yeah so so huge to how how so much of the movie movie works
1: and it Um, leads us into the next sequence which is is, you know much lighter where you see the whole gang in a dance sequence (laughs) yeah yeah totally (laughs) While the yes it's kind
2: of montage like as they're kind of like rising in um notoriety or whatever yeah these
1: like snapshots of like crime scenes and i don't know so i know that there's some censorship in the more widely distributed U S version originally. And I can't remember if they took those shots out of that dance sequence or not, but, um, later on they released, it's called in America, it's called the kick ax version of the film. And, uh, that, (laughs) yeah, that leaves all of the kind of more violent moments. Well, I, the, the violence is in the film still, but they edit out blood basically. And, um, that's like the only real censorship that goes on in regards to this film.
2: Yeah, totally.
1: But okay, so um, after they introduce the Axe Gang, we're going to get introduced to, I guess, the the opposite side of that, our, our, our town folk in our uh, Pigsty Alley. Pigsty Pig alley. alley, I yeah. love I- it.
2: And this is yeah this is one of the grandest sets that I think we've maybe seen in a Hong Kong production and um I believe it was constructed at in these Shanghai studios specifically for the film um, Yeah that's correct. Like, like you were saying Carlos how oh my gosh the movie has storyboards there was there was a lot of um you know design uh you know obviously like going into this this is kind of the centerpiece of so much of the film and boy they make really great use of of the set and of the space of it um lots of fantastic kind of long single takes with like this kind of swooping crane as we're really moving from level to level lots of great kind of circular steady cam shots kind of in the the village square or project square or whatever you might call it um but yeah just the attention to detail here um it's it's so tactile and and kind of believable. It's really, um I just love the movie too much. <laughs> <talk about it.
1: laughs> yeah, the production d- designer for this film is Oliver Wong, and um he's got quite a few credits. He was art director for Police Story, Iron Angel, <laughs> that movie we covered from the late '80s. Yeah. Um, uh Rumble in the Bronx, First Strike, Who Am I? He. He's got a pretty prestigious career, and uh, yeah, he's the production designer here. And there's a nice featurette where he's talking about what went into creating this set. And uh, he name-checks a film called House of 72 Tenants, which is a film from 1973. And uh, it's kind of almost a direct inspiration for the way this set looks and the life that they give to it. And uh, that film was actually directed by chua Yun, who was the the slimy villain in Police Story. <laughs> he, we Dude, we mentioned nice. in Police Story that he was a director and that was one of the films that he did.
0: So we kind of get to see the, we get to see kind of the the town folk in like their normal life. When we get introduced to these three people who at first you don't realize how important they're going to be to the movie. We get one guy who, they call him a coolie. He's like carrying around like, you know, bags of grain or whatever. and He's doing cool flips to get them up. One guy that's, uh, makes like, uh, like is rolling out this dough. And then one guy who's a tailor, Yeah, Uh, and, and And, all of them, when you've
2: seen the movie before, there is some kind of beautiful little like hints and Easter eggs as to what what they're all about.
0: And, uh, two of them are, are people that have, we've seen on the podcast before the, the Cooley guy is a, he, he, we haven't seen him chronologically at this point right. but he's in he's an itmon he's the 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 kind of ruffian at the beginning of the movie that ends up uh getting killed by the japanese guy mm-hmm. um after uh because he like tries to take the rice even though he didn't win or or, or he won but not the right way i can't remember it's been a bit since i saw the movie yeah uh,
1: you're right and he was yeah, also no in uh journey to the west the stephen chow film that we talked about where uh, he, oh, cool. he played like the tiger fist guy gotcha and um yeah I, I mean, I also remember him. I mean, he's been in a lot of films by now, but uh, I also remember him from Flashpoint. I, I think he's the guy that gets the hardcore, my favorite suplex on film from Don ah, Yeah, I think he's the one oh, that dude, gets hit with that. Um, yeah. And well, the think, other. Yeah. yeah go, go most, right ahead. Oh, no, please. <laughs> <Go for it. laughs> um, uh, the tailor in this film is played by uh, Chi Ling. And uh man I think the last time we saw him on the podcast was in Winners and Sinners but I mean he's a legend and he goes all the way back to our first episode with yeah, Sneak and, Snake Eagle and Eagles Shadow,
2: Shadow. with yeah, that yeah. amazing mustache and um mm-hmm. yeah got to love the the Taylor character here um and then the the third um of these characters that the camera kind of focuses on is uh played by uh Tung Chi Hua Yeah um and I don't have we seen him in any?
1: Th- no, we haven't. I and he, uh, so. he doesn't have that much to his credit. I mean, uh, compared to Hong Kong stars, right? <laughs> so um, I did notice he was in a version of Journey to the West that came out in 1991. And he actually plays Sun Wu Kong in that film. And he actually has a co-directing credit along with Cheng Che, which is pretty crazy.
2: <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah, so they Amazing. have these characters introduced very casually, and you see them in the life of this pigsty alley, and uh, you're also introduced to, I mean, a, a much more oh. recognizable <laughs> face, and we see yun Hua, and yun plays such a great character here, he's kind of hamming it up, He he, get, he kind of gets both sides of it because he gets some really strong fighting in this film but he also gets some really like kind of goofy slapstick yeah
2: totally yeah you could say like uh oh it's the role he was born to play but it's probably even more accurate to say like steven just really knows what to write for yoonha and yeah um, what to write for so many of these Um, kind of legendary actors he's just really setting them up to be like in their in their best light and it's yeah it's awesome
1: I I really like too that he's not I mean we you'll see him in some of the most iconic villain roles in Hong Kong cinema and he gets to really play on the good side of things and just really have a goofy time with it and I think that that's really cool and also you gotta really consider you know Stephen Chow being the director and casting these people um, knowing the the lineage of Bruce Lee. Stephen Chow is such a huge fan of Bruce Lee, and we'll see that in this film, but yun Hua famously being the double for Bruce Lee any time I think Bruce Lee does a flip, that's yun Hua, which is really, mm. really fun to think about. Um, but yeah, yeah so- actually,
0: a lot of people in this have some connection either directly or tangentially to, to Bruce Lee, yes. which, is, which is fun.
1: Yep, yep. So um, uh, the, the last kind of major player that we see in this uh, sequence in the beginning is the landlady. And uh, she, uh, similar to somebody else that we'll see in the film, um, was kind of like a, a special pick by Stephen Chow. And uh, he was basically wowed by her. And uh, she really didn't have any Film roles, I mean, since the '80s, and he right. brought her back, Yun Chu. She's the... yeah.
2: We haven't seen her since Dreadnought, I think. Is yeah,
1: right? yeah, it, it, yeah. It could be like, and um, she's completely perfect for this role. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah,
0: no. This this is like I think the thing that people remember the most from this movie is the landlady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Like she right. completely she completely steals the show.
2: And then this kind of led to um. Kind of a a new phase in her career. There's like a kung fu mahjong. Is that what they're called? Right. There's some some movies <laughs> that um kind of cast her in like a similar a similar kind of role to this, following the success of of kung fu hustle. But God, does she just kind of command um a scene and uh that also yeah. Got to shout out. Yeah, everything about this production is so good. But costume design um. Which you know, often in a lot of uh, a lot of the, the films we watch um, kind of throughout uh, kind of Kong, uh, sorry, throughout Hong Kong film history, costumes sometimes are kind of like a, either an oversight or like, oh, well, we're doing this kind of movie. Everyone uses the same um, costuming here, but there's so many touches that really make each of these characters distinct. And she has these rollers in her hair and uh like half a cigarette forever in the corner of her mouth and <laughs> yeah um yeah there must have been tons of outtakes of yeah cigarette coming in and out but it's ah oh, she's so great and then just kind of almost always like a raised eyebrow and this just incredible like scowl on her face
1: yeah what um, what happens uh, here is that the 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 town folk are doing their things and one of the young members of the town realized the water got shut off and he he questions her about it and then she just basically rips into everyone <laughs> and says like "Ah, oh, we're gonna ration water or, you know you guys can just deal with it but um you also realize that she is married to uh yun character and they're just referred to for the most part as landlady and landlord in the film yeah. But that that's a it's such a great introduction. And then uh... Dude,
2: I, I love when she first corners him. He's like standing outside of kind of like the lady's um dressing room and then he's claiming like, Oh no, I'm looking out for peeping Tom so I can stop them. And then this sweet old kind of auntie comes out and she and Yun-wa says, Have you seen anyone? The way she just points at him. yeah, is perfect. awesome. And then there's this reveal when like he turns the other side of his face to the camera and we can see this like a huge like lipstick <laughs> uh print on his cheek it's uh it's so good
1: it's perfect yeah so uh, yeah what we'll come to find out through the rest of the movie is that we have these basically hidden masters and i i think that that kind of goes in line with the wuxia stuff and i think it was in duel to the death that i was talking about the the term Jianghu, which is basically the martial world like the world of like martial artists like their law outside of the law and um this is kind of like in line with that where it's like these masters they've escaped the Jianghu and they're trying to live these normal lives and uh we're gonna see now that that's gonna kind of fall apart because we're introduced to Stephen Chow's character (laughs) he plays a character named Sing which is pretty easy best (laughs) yeah best introduction ever yeah um yeah. yeah they've got these yeah it's it's yeah there's um,
0: a bunch of there's a bunch of kids playing soccer yeah. and they lose the ball and he like does these cool like kick and flips and stuff around with the with the ball and they're like oh that's so cool and he's like oh yeah you like it and he squishes the ball yeah, yeah. no more soccer and yep. that's
1: a cg ball so
0: a yes soccer. that is definitely a cg ball but it's really funny so,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, so it, totally. it, it's him along with Lam Si chung playing his uh buddy i think they call him bone in some version bone yeah. yeah and um so you would know him from shaolin soccer we haven't talked about that yeah. on the podcast but uh very prominent role in shaolin soccer and um like most of Steven Chow's films, as he continues, you'll see a lot of recurring cast members. Um, yeah, including Danny Chan. I guess we didn't mention that, but um, yeah. he was also in Shaolin Soccer in a very Bruce Lee like role. And Danny Chan would <laughs> go on to play Bruce yeah. Lee. <laughs> so um, yeah, he,
0: he plays him. He's in like the Stinger of Ip Man three.
1: Yeah, yeah and he's in Ip Man four. And he's all he also played oh, cool. him on like a a series uh, for Bruce Lee like a tv Mm -hmm. series but um yeah so sing and his friend come into town looking pretty tough but they're really just trying to hustle their way into town and it starts with this funny haircut scene
0: yeah yeah we get to there's the boy that was complaining about about the water i love it because he's like he's like kind of taking a bath so you kind of understand why his pants are kind of below his butt for it but he literally never pulls his pants up the entire rest of the movie <laughs>
2: yeah Uh Homan Fa is the actor and he just has yeah. this very strange looking face that they use mm-hmm. to great effect usually just like dead straight
1: in the mm. in the lens but you um, gotta love it because he's he's not falling for their, their ruse here
2: <laughs> yeah totally and this is maybe um like we've seen how tough the landlady is Um, but other than that, I don't think we, at least the first time watching the film, we have too much of a hint of what really kind of lies hidden here in this village. And this character is just like absolutely not at all phased by kind of these threats. So basically, uh, Bone kind of drops his, um, his shirt and you see this axe gang tattoo on his chest and, um, (laughs) there's crazy sound effect um, with some jiggling of his uh, of his chest. Yeah, he's um, a big guy <laughs> for and these thing. axes
0: and I, I love whenever he does it a second time and Steve's like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. put the axes away. <laughs> yeah, totally
2: so their little con is uh, is meant to be like, hey, don't you know who we are? We're with the axe gang, but if you pay us a little money, then you know, we won't mess you up um, but the Home on Fire character is just yeah, again totally unfazed by this. And then we start to see that the other villagers are kind of um circling around and they seem kind of unfazed by it either. And we this is just a great kind of classic uh Steven Chow patter crazy yeah. situation sequence here. This is amazing.
1: It's perfect for me. Yeah, so you've got a crowd around sing now and he's calling them all out. He's like, "All right, you guys want to fight? I'll fight you, but it No, no tricks. I just want one one on one situation. So he very (laughs) he he curates his way to finding the weakest people. And every time he picks somebody, it just blows up in his face. And I I still laugh out loud when I watch that sequence. It's great.
2: Yeah, this is and just Steve's kind of like totally dry um, delivery. And like, no, 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 I meant this. I meant that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's something that really, I think. It just translates to in any language and a lot of crazy visual gags. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the, some of this CG that's pretty loosey goosey <laughs> here. Um, but just re- the premises are so funny. I think it, it, it may yeah, still because yeah, It's work. goofy.
0: Like, the the classic is the he points at the old man. He walks out. He's like super beefy. <laughs> he's like, no, yeah. I meant you. And he looks at a little kid, and the little kid comes out, and he has the exact same beefy body as <laughs> yeah. the old man had. <laughs> and then super. and then
2: one gag that's like not a special effect; it's more like an act of God or whatever. He's like pointing at this dude who he thinks is really short, <laughs> and it turns out to be this incredibly like Guinness recordy kind of tall person yeah. who's like really thin. Um, whims who had been sitting on a chair
1: that's great um, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. but then the landlady shows up and he's mm-hmm. trying to give it to her too but she's not having it she busts out the, the chancla the sandal <laughs> yeah and
0: I love that she just immediately takes off her sandal like while he's talking and then smacks him with it
1: Yep. but here's where things get
0: that's, serious yeah the the real axe gang shows up yeah
1: so sing is playing around like I'm gonna call for backup and he shoots his little firework like you see um, and then, uh, <laughs> what he accidentally did was actually hit one of the X, ex- uh, gang members in the head with that and they show up. Yeah. And, um, I think that the, um, the kind of dramatic effects in this film are, are kind of like, I mean, if you see Shaolin soccer, there's like imagery in that that kind of preps you for like the cool stuff that you see in this film and this like sequence of them walking into town um, with all of the the darkness and the stormy like weather like that we're going to see in a moment. It really is kind of like building on the shoulder of like Shaolin yeah, soccer. Yeah, that's well said. Yeah. Yeah. So um, things are getting pretty scary. The landlady does her first, like, moment of, like, Looney Tunes things <laughs> where she, like, runs and hides from everyone. Yeah, and it kind of escalates. Literally runs cause, like Because yeah. we
2: heard a sa- Like, we know that she ran, like, cartoonishly yeah. fast, but the first time it's just a sound effect, and then, like, fast-forwarded camera, like, tracking a building, and then she shows up, and then, like, kind of piece by piece, it's getting more kind of, like, far-fetched.
1: Remember? Yeah, so the, the axe gang leader here... Uh, played by Lam Shui, who, this is a small role, but it's it's really fun. I love him in this film. Um, yeah, he, he
2: feels so threatening. Here. Yeah,
1: and he's calling out the, the, the little guy, the haircut guy. He's like, yeah. well, what do you say? And he's, you know, he's being hesitant about resisting. And right at the moment when he's going to get struck with an axe, you get this kind of smash cut away and you don't see what happens. But you see that he's stuck in a barrel and and our ex gang members just gotten completely destroyed in an instant.
2: Dude. And this is such a good example of this super unique, um, editing approach that Steven takes to a a lot of great moments in the film. It doesn't remind me of any other movie. Um, you're really kind of thrown into this confusion, but it's clearly intentional. Um, there's like such a kind of like cliched language for the, like, will they, will they, it's just about to happen. um, the way we're used to seeing, like films, edited and Kung Fu Hustle does this other kind of thing where it's like it—it's kind of like jumps the gun, and I don't—I don't even have the right language for it. But this is this is a great example of that where you're just really confused as to what happened, and it's it's powerful.
1: Yeah. So the 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 real axe gang members call out for their backup, and they use this uh, basically a axe-shaped firework that actually kind yeah. of calls to like batman because when the the, the oh, cue, sure. like the music cue kind of gives you a little bit of a batman movie theme vibe to mm-hmm. it and um then you know, all the axe members axe gang members show up and yeah. um yeah they they have everybody held down in the ground and brother sum is there and he's asking like who who did this and um now we get another really cool kind of uh moment where the music really matters and it's a track called decree of sichuan general that starts playing and uh the way that the music builds in this with the action is just like perfect because they've got a couple of good yeah uh townsfolk here they get doused with some type of flammable liquid and just at the moment when they're going to get um lit up you see our first master and it's the the coolie played by Xing Yu. yeah and, totally. um,
2: and and again by this point in the film like we haven't really had anything that cartoony um and i, I mean i i remember vividly it's like that open the opening violence is so kind of shocking it's like you really don't know what's what's going to happen here and I think it's kind of kinda of brilliantly done and and sets us off to an incredible action sequence. We alluded to it on the last episode, but the initial um action director was none other than Samuel Hung. Mm-hmm. Um and he um it sounds like it was a a mixture, I'm finding a little more information actually, even as we're rolling here, but mixture of some (laughs) illness and maybe a little bit of like a crude disagreement. Um, But he was working on this initial sequence. I'm not sure if he completed the, this entire sequence that follows, but he definitely started it. And um, uh, yeah, we talked about this a little bit last time, Um, but when Sammo was gone, um, you had to replace him and is it a lateral move? Is it an upgrade? Is it a, who knows what? But then your whole know, <laughs> ping comes in. Yeah. So this is really the first time since Magnificent Butcher where you have uh, action, a film action directed by both Samo and yon yeah. ping
0: And it, that really does make sense because this first action set piece feels a lot more grounded and the other action set pieces feel more like high flying. Which yeah. is like this. This era of Yun Wu Ping is a lot more of the the Wuja high flying stuff. So it it kind of it, it tracks. Yeah, and a lot more
2: poses and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this this opening burst of action with our coolie is so mm-hmm. cool. And um, oh yeah, because
0: so his set. his whole thing is kicks. So he does yeah, all these just incredible so kicks. So
2: powerful and mm-hmm. great, great um, use of camera here. Um, some beautiful slow motion sequences and mm-hmm. um these really kind of like close shaves, like near misses and stuff. And, yeah. Uh so good.
1: And we're then introduced as the carnage continues to our other masters. And uh the next one up to defend the town is Chu Chi Ling. And it's perfect actually. He's the tailor and they kind of give you a little couple of shots of his like kind of rack. With the kind of like curtain rings, but those curtain rings are actually like the hungar, yeah. like 36 yeah. chamber of Shaolin uh, rings that we're, we're used to sing. So I I love yeah. that. It's such a cool way to everything The way they slides down on
2: his arm. From That's the one of my off.
0: favorite shots oh. in the movie is when he, he like throws like the measuring tape like he uses to measure people because he's a tailor <laughs> right, and he right. uses it to break it and puts his hands uh as they
1: slide on yeah and um, the, they they call the style hunga iron wire fist is what he's using in this mm-hmm. film and actually using you is they they mention it later in the film but they say his style is the 12 kicks from the tam school and that's uh actually a style called tantui which is actually a reference into like a northern style like forms so the twelve twelve 12 steps is like kind of like a kata form where um, you'd have to, like, know all of these things. So what I read is that people use that a lot for uh, students for training because it takes a lot of memorization. And it's uh... but right here, you see it. it, It's also referred to as, like, springing leg style. And you see a lot of that here because he's a very proficient kicker.
0: I wonder if Jingyu has, like, a northern accent because he plays a northern style guy in in Itmon also. Oh, maybe. Yeah. So maybe he doesn't just you know I don't hear it because
1: yeah. I don't and, speak the language but yeah so after Chu Chi Ling does his thing for a little bit we get our next master and that's who we mentioned earlier Dong Chiwa. he is uh, using Bagua Gun the eight trigram pole and uh, he's uh, his name is Donut in the film because he's a baker which is great but yeah. the yeah. the imagery they use for him in this fight is just so cool right off the bat i love the moment where he kicks the stool to knock his poles down and grabs one as it that's f- as it's falling and he's not even looking at it and then uh yeah. he's drawn into the action because he sees that the axe gang is using uh firearms and Tommy uh, guns. yep yeah. it's the perfect way to defend against these at the range that he wants to fight so you see him just totally destroying these firearms it's it's really cool and there's also a really gun shaming yeah that's right (laughs) We talked
0: about that on the podcast
1: before yeah it's ongoing and uh use of cg here for like a layer of dust over the action but it's actually Mm -hmm. actually pretty cool to me because it they're intentionally obscuring anything everything and that's showing you the strength of his technique yeah. you know it's so dusty yeah, in this totally. town and his swings and his attacks are just kicking that up and it,
0: and I, it's also very cartoony because it's like the big fight and it turns into a dust cloud oh perfect yeah
1: i didn't so. even stop to consider that because i just thought yeah. it looked so cool but you're totally totally right yeah. yeah so they they defend the town and i mean of course it's a victory but uh you know as with any kind of gangster situation, there will be retribution. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I, I wrote the only note I had at the end of this scene was Stephen must've been like a kid in a candy store making this movie. Yeah. Oh
2: dude, totally. And mm-hmm. what a cool like theme that it's essentially like, Oh, there's hidden talents where you least suspect them and not from people who maybe look the part or are the age you would expect for like your Kung Fu hero. And I don't know, it's it still feels fresh like today. This is not something that is at all typical in an adventure movie.
1: And I also like where or it like positions these characters as like the leads, the heroes, but they're honestly yeah. like the backup to whatever Stephen Chow is planning for Singh's character and I think that it's really cool just kind of these parallels as they go through the film. I think that I mean it just makes it endlessly entertaining for me. You you are followed after the scene you're you're seeing uh Singh and his homie at the Axe Gang and they're just they're barely they're strung yeah. up in yeah. chains. Yeah. And uh they, they barely escape. And but but Singh says, like, yeah, I want to join the Axe gang. And uh, Brother Sum's like, I, I love it. He says, have you ever killed anyone? And he, he <laughs> responds with, I've always thought about it.
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I kind of went back and forth between because the first time I watched it was with the dub. And this time I did the sub. And obviously, obviously, the subs gonna be better. Yeah. um But the, the dub line for that actually is pretty funny because it said, ever killed anybody? Not yet, no, but uh, I've always wanted to.:
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. nice. I don't think I've ever seen it dubbed. even when I saw it in a the theater, uh, like Marty was saying, this was like under like a prestige like release, mm-hmm. so it was subtitled. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, it, it's kind of like the Mon dub or whatever, where like it's fine.
1: Kind of anime uh, sounding.
0: Yeah, kind of am I sounding the 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 big problem with that is that it's a lot of people kind of affecting a little bit of an accent, oh. and it's not like offensive, but it's just a little weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right. like gotcha. you just 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 do a, a voice like yeah. you've watched an old kung fu movie. They're not trying to sound Chinese in those, right? So,
1: <laughs> so um, brother, some tasks sing to kill someone. So that's like his dri- his driving force. And you yeah. get a moment here where you kind of learn a little bit about sing where uh, he says that, uh, you know, he doesn't want to be like all these other beggars, yeah. him and his friend. And he says, like, you know, that uh, his his friend Bone says, how are we going to kill anybody in Pigsty Alley? They know Kung Fu. And uh, Sing says, I know Kung Fu. Uh, I learned the Buddhist <laughs> palm. So that kind of gives us a, a cool little <laughs> flashback and we get to see another Yun Clan member.
2: Yeah, Yun Cheng Yan plays this like beggar man. Um, and this is really, really well done. It's uh, He's introduced just as like an off-screen voice, and we're just kind of focused on this little kid portrayal of, of mm-hmm. Sing. Also, I love this flashback. It starts as basically fully black and white, and then each scene gets slightly more saturated, but never kind of like fully in... Um, like rich, rich color. Um, But we hear this voice and he's claiming like, Oh wow, you have the perfect look and bone structure and everything for chi flow. Like you're, you're a rare Kung Fu genius. And it turns out he's like shilling this cheap, (laughs) cheap little um, paper manual that says it's for the Buddhist palm technique. He's like, uh, you know, because I like you, basically I'll part with it for like, you know, they translate it to 10 bucks. Yeah. Um. So he breaks open his piggy bank and present day saying is basically saying like, yeah, I was saving up to be a doctor or a lawyer, but um, from that day on, you know, um, yeah. I directed my money towards, towards Kung Fu. And there's yeah. some really cute little um moments that, uh. I love the tone that they strike here. It's not like, oh, what a dumb kid, he just got kind of bamboozled. They they have this like, well, is it real or isn't it real tone mm-hmm. that kind of runs through the course of the the course of the movie, which is pretty crucial. We see him doing some forms in this courtyard, um, and then he ends with his fists like aiming up towards a tree and then there is a breeze that's happening at the same time <laughs> so the top of the tree moves. Yeah. Um and then it cuts to uh he's he's seeing um this group of boys that are terrorizing this little girl and he tells them to stop um and it's uh he tries this this one um kind of close quartered punch technique nothing happens and the boys just like really beat the hell out of him and it's it's a really savage scene then they end up just like peeing on him <laughs> they
0: pee on him which is really weird but
1: it's funny because there's like sad piano music playing too while... Yeah, yeah while kids being I pee love it gets on but um one no, thing I super... noticed this yeah, time brutal. is uh you know we watched king of comedy yeah. and Alex lamb the kind of junior triad member leader he's, he's the, the head bully, bully oh cool yeah and it was funny because I'm watching it and I didn't recognize him but when I heard his voice I was like wait ah yeah yeah Yeah, he's crazy he
2: almost looks younger because he's playing a younger part like I don't know Mm -hmm.
1: it's like a Benjamin
2: Button or something
1: (laughs) yeah but that was pretty cool I never noticed that until this time Mm -hmm. so thanks Marty (laughs) yeah but they're
0: they're trying to they're trying to like steal this girl's lollipop and one of the mentions that the girl is a mute and that's that ends up becoming very important later in the movie so I just Mm -hmm. had to mention it here yeah
2: And actually it's pretty, pretty soon after telling this story. Um, I like when he first started, it was maybe like, uh, dawn or something. And then it's the, or it's like a different time of day or something when he comes back to it. And then there's this ice cream cart that comes by in the foreground and bones like, Ooh, ice cream. And as they kind of, uh, follow, we, um, yeah, this is where we're introduced to, I guess you could say kind of our female lead. And it's another case of, uh, you had mentioned it before, Carlos, where Steven has um, had this kind of golden touch of finding these actresses that haven't been on screen before and kind of giving them their, um, their first break. And that's the case here um, for, I think these days she goes by Ava Huang. But, yeah.
1: Um, this is uh, her first role on film. Yeah. Ava Huang Shenyi is the name that I, I saw for her but um yeah so as far as the other films that we've covered this i mean romance is like the least important of of all of <laughs> these films like in this film i mean and uh but yeah that's our introduction to her and then we get cut back to the pigsty alley and uh the landlady's kind of going in on her masters shit and she's mm-hmm. saying th- the truth where it's like all right now you cause trouble but those axe gang dudes are going to come back and uh, you also get uh, Singh trying to accomplish his murder here. <sighs> and this is another great yeah. bit that uh, just gets better as it goes on.
2: Yeah, totally. Yeah, he's
1: <laughs> trying
0: just to really. throw a knife to, to kill the landlady. And the knife immediately bounces back and hits him in the shoulder. And then he gets bone to try to throw it. And bone tries to throw it and slips out of his hand, stabs him in the other <laughs> shoulder.
1: Just worse and worse and worse. It culminates uh, in him getting bit in the And how lips. Steven plays it is, is great. Yeah. Oh yeah, by
2: snakes.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. And I, I also love that, I mean, they get caught and then landlady, uh starts to chase them and it turns into our looney tunes kind of roadrunner yeah. wily e. coyote scenario but yeah, <laughs> it probably it's probably the most remembered sequence of the movie yeah yeah
0: i love because it starts as like you know weird cg stuff but then it turns into like it kind of reminded like six million dollar man or whatever <laughs> where it's like it's like they're very obviously on a green screen and just kind of moving their arms yeah. back and forth really fast right. and it it and it's 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 funny
1: yeah but oh, the, yeah. the the comedic sense behind a lot of it too there's the obvious yeah. just them running like cartoon characters but the way mm-hmm. that it plays out is really great too like i mean her the, flying through the these, air with the cigarette yeah, right in her poses mouth <laughs> for me so it's so really good. that he uses the knife in his shoulder like a side mirror on a <laughs> yeah. car oh yeah oh, oh, so come brilliant. On. Hmm. it's really funny but it yeah and then it,
0: it ends with her literally splatting like like uh like wiley Cody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah on this Nova billboard uh. sliding down
1: yeah what's the i had the song for this too it's on the soundtrack That actually the soundtrack's widely released you can get it on like itunes i'm sure it's on like um well spotify we can't mention spotify anymore right <laughs> oh, <yeah>. that's true <laughs> anyways get
0: vaccinated if you're not vaccinated yeah
1: so um <laughs> the the track is called allegro molto vivaci from I totally got that oh. wrong, but that's, no, that's you, pretty good. he pretty much nailed it. All right. <laughs> 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 but on the soundtrack, it's actually uh, played by a Japanese violinist. Her name is Akiko Suwanai. Oh, cool. Yeah, and she's accompanied by the, the Budapest Festival Orchestra. So uh, they use that track and then following it, there's a little scene of him kind of trapped in this. What you kind of see is like that's where they stay. It's like a.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like their hideout. It's like a traffic at this like four way intersection. Yeah, it looks like a roost
1: where they would have like some like a police officer guiding people or something over a Mm -hmm. traffic light. And um, he's trapped in there. And he's trying to recover from his wounds and you're starting to get a little bit of this hey there's something more to his buddha's palm here because he's like actually like denting the metal around him as he's like punching yeah. the the booth and um mm-hmm. that also has another track by the same musician and it's called Mod- moderato that's also from the same ziger <laughs> <laughs> i said it again <laughs> Yeah, you got beautiful. it. Oh man! But then he shows up and, and he's perfectly fine.
0: I do want to mention one thing in that is that because he got his his lips bit bitten by snake, <laughs> yeah, he has yeah, like these yeah, comically big that. lips. Mm-hmm. And the reason, the main reason I mention it is because he also got big blown up lips in one of the previous movies we just did, but those were a practical effect, <laughs> and in this one they're very clearly a CG effect. And right. it's, it's just it's just interesting being able to put them side by side because you know, obviously I'm, I'm a big fan of, of <laughs> goofy prosthetics so. yeah it's pretty good <laughs>
1: um you do get a moment here where they introduce who would become a prominent uh antagonist in the next mm-hmm. act of the film but uh, it's it's really downplayed and what you get now is uh the landlady basically deciding the fate of the three masters and mm-hmm. she's um uh going to like basically fate and she picks a stick determining their fate and they have to leave so the three masters are getting kicked out and then it cuts to the axe gang and they've hired some assassins these two guys that we saw earlier and one is played by uh feng ha Harkon harkhan feng yeah. yeah our favorite villain from all of our movies so it's mm-hmm. pretty cool they're uh two musicians that are kind of uh one is definitely blind uh, I don't know if Harkon folks, but they st- they still have the same look, both of them, sunglasses yeah, like and
2: zither players. And,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Now their task is to kill these three masters yeah. to get revenge for the X game.
0: The one thing they mention that ends up being important is that there's like they're the they are the number one current killers, but the actual number one killer is a guy called the Beast who is currently in a in an insane asylum. Yep, <laughs> that won't come up later. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do want to want to shout out the uh, like the sidekick to like the yes man for the axe gang. Oh yeah, who's just he's just constantly yeah, like yes, that's great. You're the best. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great poem you just said. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, and
2: we just saw him in King of Comedy as one of the yeah. triad. Um, and yeah, and also in Chow and Soccer, he's a mm-hmm. kind of long-standing Stephen Chow player. Yeah, so he's, he's great.
0: So next scene, the, our three masters are like about to leave the town for the last time. I but, love this sequence. But they decided so nice. to do like one last spar. Um, and this, this also, I know you said this might be Yun-Wu-Ping at this point, but it still yeah, feels. This is yeah, this definitely yun ping Yeah, and, and. It it, actually reminded me a lot of the Samo fight from Itmon 2, I think. Oh, sure. Where it's like the masters just doing their fight, flipping, yeah, the table fight, flipping around and stuff, but like in an enclosed space because they're like on a a stairwell.
2: Yeah, this is such a lovely little sequence and it has this kind of like good hearted energy to it. It it doesn't last very long, but um, yeah, I think it it strikes a really important chord um, to what's about to happen.
1: And it's punctuated by that great moment where they're standing on a post and the tailor accidentally <laughs> Ch- falls. Yeah, it's yeah, really, really funny. I
0: love every single time someone falls in this movie. There's a CG shoe that flies up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so great!
1: It's so smart. I love it. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny. Man,
2: and then this gets to I. This is another example where just really great design of a, a sequence mm. where it's kind of the CG still holds up very well because it's just um really yeah, real quick is really strong right
0: before that there's i just want to call out a thing there is a brief bit where it kind of we kind of just see like a couple of little snippets of these people's lives as the sun's going down and just kind of get a little shots of of them in their homes yeah, doing yeah. different things with a couple of gags here and there it felt very rear window to me oh totally like totally. like just like seeing little bits of people's lives going through and you know knowing how much of a fan steven is of, of classic hollywood that mm-hmm. wouldn't shock me if that was intentional oh
2: dude yeah really good good call yeah using kind of like the multi levels of the the environment in a similar yeah, way. Oh, yeah. it's awesome. like
1: it's like rear window with a pile of poop yeah, yeah, where a, where a person's yeah. poofy, but oh, a, a little strong. Yeah.
0: Oh,
2: it's it's so great. I could just I can just see Steven smiling hearing that. Yeah. Um. And so, uh, yeah, this leads to this really awesome, kind of mysterious, sort of western tinged, um, mm. sequence where Cooley is is leaving, and he passes by one of the zither players as he's going, gives him kind of a strange look, but keeps going, and so um what's so brilliant about these killers being musicians is they g- they get to score these sequences yeah um as well which is super effective mm-hmm. um but he as he's walking away we start to hear this kind of mysterious music and we're also hearing these kind of windy sound effects and bit by bit we get the sense that things are are not are not safe and one shot in particular that's like really kind of striking and and scary is there's this (laughs) cat on a ledge and the camera is kind of tracking kind of um, along the profile of Cooley and this cat jumps off the ledge. And as he jumps, it's like the way the light is cast, you see his shadow against the wall. And then you see that shadow like sliced into, (laughs) yeah, just again, some really inventive um, kind of design here. Uh, But, yeah ultimately this zither music ramps up and cooley turns around and like it's terrified and he's staring down this zither player and he um casts like one huge strum and again some nice camera um camera choices here but he's decapitated
1: beheaded um by who knows what yeah um, it's super cool so there were two assassins and we see the next one now and he goes into the tailor shop, and uh, Taylor says, "Hey, we're closed." And uh, a fight breaks out. So we've got Chu Chi Ling fighting Har Kong Fung, which is so yeah. awesome, <laughs> so cool. Yeah, yeah it's, it's one great, of those like, that, like I'm, ordered fights. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's one of those fights that like it. I don't know if it happened. It probably happened at some point in the past, but it it does kind of feel like one of those like getting the band back together kind of (laughs) things where the two of them are interacting.
1: I also really um, like, there's a moment here where Harkong Fung is like hanging from the side of a wall, giving me totally like almost like a mantis style vibes to it. It's really really cool.
2: And I love how they're kind of damaging the environment. Um, Some of that CG holds up pretty well. It's cool. I almost get a sense that It's like, Oh, this is, there's a, there's a little bit of a matrix quality here. At least for me, I, I, I
1: don't know. I can um, totally see and, that. I mean, I, I think that And I like
2: the sense it's almost kind of like reclaiming the Matrix yes. for, for Hong Kong with these older dudes. It's That's awesome. exactly
1: what I was going to say. I think it's really cool because it's like, it's like, no, we're going to do it now. And this is like what we're going to do with these techniques that, you know, yung ping maybe like, you know, the ideas that kind of formed while he was doing the Matrix, like now I'm going to do it like at my way i think that's really yeah, yeah really cool totally. and and the moments you were talking about about the environment getting damaged i also think that that's really smart too because do you get moments where it's not somebody punching i mean you definitely get moments where they're punching into a wall or something but like in this sequence you get a moment where the tailor like he pulls his arm back to punch but he he contacts the wall but the wall gets damaged by the startup of his attack, he's not attacking the wall itself. He's attacking his opponent that's on the opposite end. But that just shows you the strength of his attack. That the startup of it is enough to damage the wall, not the attack itself. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's really, really cool. But he's um, he's drawn out into the courtyard... And you see that the Zitar player is in waiting, so now he has to bear the brunt of these attacks, and he's able to defend himself a little bit, and he's kind of resourceful. He uses like this big stone wheel, but ultimately, he's just on the brink of getting killed as well when now we've got Donut and Donut shows up using his spear now, and uh I mean basically the pole style is basically the training mode for the true style, which is the spear, and you get yeah. some really great imagery here. That it's like honestly like you know right in line with like anime or or stuff like that where um, we've got these really wild like wuxia elements to this fight where it's uh, it's not a physical fight it's just you know the effects are fighting each other and Yuen Wuping actually mentioned that um, when he learned about what was happening in this movie it was pretty frustrating because he he didn't expect there to be all of this kind of magical stuff and he had uh he had a lot of like difficulty trying to help create the visuals here but i mean honestly i feel he was successful end
2: result really turned out great yeah
1: yeah and it just escalates you know you get these real moments where you see kind of like a wispy kind of ghost of a blade through the wind and then it turns into like more like a like a fist situation and it develops even further once these masters end up getting wounded
2: yeah those like skeleton soldiers. yeah men. we've got it
1: so we realize that there's more than just these three masters here and it's the landlord and the landlady they enter the match and yeah. uh Yunwa is it's really great he kind of has this tai chi rubber band kind of bendy like yeah yeah fantastical like tai chi it's really really fun
2: and there's another one of those kind of frozen in time shots yeah um it's so well done when yun enters and it's like the camera is kind of like craning down, um, but they're all just still. And it's like, there's an earlier moment like that, very similar to King of Comedy with the um, the the lollipop girl when Stephen is like threatening her with a knife and they end up striking this pose in front of this Fred Astaire poster. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and yeah, just... This is, yeah,
2: the visual language of Stephen Chow here.
1: Yeah, and uh, so yun handles these two guys, but uh, they're still in the fight, and uh, next we see our other final master here, and this is uh, the landlady, and she has a technique called the lion's roar, and it's basically she's (laughs) using it to shut people up throughout the rest of the film, but you see that it's actually like a physical, like, attack that she can use and it's just so cool how it's kind of yeah. staged and escalated to that point it's just, yeah yeah it's really fun
0: and there is the incredible shot where uh, the 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 gang leader is like they're just in the car trying to watch the fight oh, so good and the and the landlady just kind of appears <laughs> in the back seat with them yeah and does like this completely silent like threatening <laughs> that's
1: a great a great yeah this
2: like the, pantomime yeah with a little bruce lee that's that yeah, it's, it's flick, yeah. yeah it's definitely
1: yes because that's that's lifted straight out of way of the dragon um, yeah, yeah, Bruce Lee silently threatening his <laughs> his yeah. potential victim, and uh, yeah, incredibly effective here. And I mean, our first direct Bruce Lee reference in the movie, yeah,
2: and really well acted by um by Danny. Uh, he's just so terrified, and I like as they're driving away, he's just like shivering.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's super good. And then there's the gag of him accidentally getting caught on fire That's yeah. <laughs> the <and> oh, <yeah. laughs> yeah. driveway. That's pretty funny too. <laughs> but yeah, now our now our masters are 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 all dead, or one of them, like with his last, uh, with his last breath. This was interesting because I turned on the dub for this. Because in the in the yeah, Chinese English. version, he yeah. speaks English. He says like, "What are you prepared to do?" or
1: something like that. you're yeah that's actually um, that's from the untouchables <laughs> that's uh sean connery's like when he dies and brian yeah. de palma's untouchables that's like the last line he says are you
2: and there's also a spider-man quote yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah he says greater res-
1: yeah. power comes
0: great responsibility and it's funny because in the dub it's a different old movie reference he says
2: this could be the end of a beautiful friendship uh, <laughs> that's smart that's, that's smart. funny
0: and then and then they respond in the dub oh donut tomorrow is another day this <laughs> is oh, god nice. the wind reference so it's staying true to the the originals like him kind of intention which i think is that's really cool which is, which and is also cool.
2: it's sort of like the veil has been lifted now so the landlord and the landlady are um just like clearly much more open and heartfelt and and emotional um, mm-hmm. with everyone else, like in the in the community at this point. Some great acting from from both of them. I mm-hmm. mean, that's again, Steven just like sets them up to just look great um, uh, in every like in 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 every way. Like they're like badass action stars, and then they get some um, a few great little dramatic moments, incredible comedy. It's awesome.
0: So now we get to see our see our hero again and. He they run to the, the lollipop girl again and or I guess the ice cream girl we don't know that she's the same girl be, you, know, you kind of know but uh, he's going to like rough her up again to, to, to steal from her and that's that's whenever we, he does the cool yeah, pose yeah, yeah. where it, you zoom out and you see uh, it's a it's a poster for the movie Top Hat which is a Fred Astaire Ginger Rogers movie from 1935 Ooh, so with music by Irving Berlin nice <laughs> that's 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 very prominent on the on the poster oh, nice. so, um but <laughs> and we that see that even
2: has his coat like over his shoulders it's just this cool yeah it's a very I cool mean, pose yeah his haircut too is just amazing in the, mm-hmm. in this movie
0: but we see for sure now because the girl uh opens up like a box and inside of it is the lollipop that uh that he was yeah he and she's prevented like the sign- guys from signing to
2: him and it's yeah. um like you're totally right uh i think you mentioned earlier carlos like the movie doesn't in doesn't spend a lot of time on the romance department but pound for pound it's so it's so strong i feel Mm -hmm. um yeah really really great sequence here
1: yeah yeah and there's like a little heartfelt moment here where uh seeing after this all happens sings kind of telling bone like get out of here like just leave me alone and um, he keeps like kind of punching how, him and stuff.
2: How bad his fighting looks! Yeah, it's yeah. so funny.
1: <laughs> but Bone has this moment where he's like, gives him one of the drinks, like. If, you know if we're gonna be yeah, separate i still so want cute. you to have something yeah so it's like kind of cute grabs it and angrily walks away yep but the axe gang uh gets sing and they're like hey we want you with us now and he's like what really yeah. finally they're like we need you to do this thing <laughs> yeah so they want him to <sighs> bust out the beast so now they're gonna try and uh you know get the beast to exact their i revenge. like
0: that i really like that the place they go the the asylum the sign is in is in Chinese and in English. And the English word is atypical pathology
1: center. Yeah, dude, perfect. atypical. Yeah, that's yeah, perfect. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean that's what most APCs are are like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, and, they're, and then the they're playing we the uh, saber dance in yeah, the background. Yeah, saber dance. More, yeah, yeah. More. Um, yeah, so you have some funny little beats here where he goes in. They don't dwell on it too long, but uh, he's making his way through the prison. He has like a five-minute window to get him out before the guards come yeah. back. And you have a moment where they pay homage <laughs> to The Shining with the bloody... Yeah. Uh, hallway and this is this is probably
0: the most direct movie reference i've seen in yeah in one of these movies sure because like yeah, a lot of times yeah. it's like a similar thing or like a nod to it but it's like no we're just gonna do the shining hallway blood scene yeah
1: it, with the high speed camera and everything yeah it's exactly the same but i love when... and even
0: cutting into it again and it didn't actually happen it was just in his head like it's it's very direct. Yeah, um, totally. It looks really good, though, because, hey, it's it's a cool shot.
1: Mm-hmm. The, yeah, it looks really good. Tur- the ne- Turns
0: out Stanley Kubrick,
1: pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next beat that I do really love that I think <laughs> is pretty important towards the end of the film is there's all these little frogs in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which, that-
0: whenever I saw it, I was like, I'll bet that has to be important because I, I didn't really remember that yeah. facet from the end.
1: When but, they open up when he opens up the 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 cell though um you see that the beast uh who's been touted as this you know world's yeah. number one killer is just kind of like this unassuming old man and he's actually yeah. sitting on the toilet mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um, but uh i i honestly like it's so perfect to me um we've got our our next prominent antagonist and uh, a major yeah. player in the bruce rest Leung. of the film yeah bruce long uh long siu long uh We've seen him. I I honestly feel broken like oath. it was bro- yeah. Broken Oath. Yeah, that was. Oh wow! The last time was like saw episode him. seven or something. Yep. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yep. So he was he he had a pretty storied career. I I'd say he was more popular in Hong Kong than he was in the West. I think in the West he's mostly known as a uh, Bruce Bloatation actor. So uh, yeah. riffing on Bruce Lee, but um, he had some pretty prominent roles in Hong Kong. He actually played Chen Zen in a TV series uh in the 80s i believe but uh he hadn't been working since the 80s and um stephen chow actually well, in in,
2: in his heyday i mean and just think of broken oath
1: he's oh, just man so physically dominant i mean just yes. an amazing i think um, that yeah Oscar he does performer. like i i think he jumps like six feet in the air for a jump kick in that film and i mm-hmm. was totally shocked by it but um yeah he's amazing and uh perfectly cast uh, i i I saw in uh, one of the bonus features or somewhere that uh, Stephen Chow said originally the Beast was going to be like maybe like a robot or like maybe like some kind of like superhero type character. But uh, mm-hmm. once he met with uh, Bruce Lung and saw what he looked like, he was like, bah, this is perfect. We're just going to go with this. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah he's like balding like quite disheveled like with yeah. his flip-flops and like a beater on, like- yeah. yeah
1: but what you what you actually find out is uh i mean they bring him back and the axe gang is talking to him and brother Sums like uh this guy doesn't seem like much are you sure you got the right guy and as they're talking and to him uh yeah
0: 100 percent going to make a gif of he he gets steven's character to like t is like, well go go beat him up and see if he's, you know, really this awesome master. <laughs> yeah. And like he's he's doing all of like his gesturing and stuff. Um, but then whenever he goes to do a punch, he does this this little like light poke on his head and runs away. <laughs> oh, it is a it's perfectly so gifable moment. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's true. And um they're kind of grilling him about it and they're like, Well, can you prove it? Like, are you a killer? And he's like, Oh, I don't I don't really feel like any of you are worth any of my time and um he kind of escalates and then one of the guys is punching him and he's like yeah that's all you got and uh he pulls a gun out and then he disarms the guy and takes the gun and points it at his own head and shoots but he intercepts the bullet with his fingers. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. And That's and so the, the subtitles, uh, the line that he delivers is really cool. It's, uh, in the world of Kung Fu, speed defines the winner. That's a cool line. But just the way that the line is delivered, I feel like we're losing something so much more profound in what he's mm-hmm. saying. I just kind of have a feeling of that.
2: Yeah, it seems like it's in a very poetic like, yeah. um, cadence or something.
1: Yeah, like totally, mm-hmm. totally. So the beast kind of reminds me of like Akuma like in Street Fighter. He's like all he <laughs> kinda, wants yeah. is like oh, the strongest yeah, totally. enemy, you know? And uh, mm-hmm. that's all that he cares about in the world. But honestly, he looks more like Oro from Street Fighter 3. He's like little hermit looking character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yep. But then um
0: uh, he does a uh, he does this like axe kick that oh, uh, so yeah. that blows through the
1: walls into like the casino part of the, the
2: foot, like right up to the lens, like CG yeah. foot, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: That's what I was talking about earlier. the The leg, I think, his entire leg is CG for that force uh, perspective shot, but it looks looks awesome. Yeah, it he is. he basically destroys his way into the front parlor, and then it's revealed that the landlady and the landlord are there, and it's mm. basically like what in I the was most
2: awesome like outfits. Oh. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah.
0: They're, yeah. They're and then they're in like actual outfits. They're not just kind of in pajamas like we see them in the rest of the movie Mm -hmm.
1: and i just love how it's like i don't know it's like like fate is drawing you through this plot it's not like there was a clue that they would be there or anything it's like the the martial arts masters like are fated to fight each other and they kind of have respect
2: that they have for each other it's like super i don't know yeah charming
1: or something it's something like i was saying with the wuxia films like the the Jianghu, yeah. you know, the world of the martial arts and the uh, the rules that they kind of live by. So they kind of are fated to fight each other. But um, there's another like localized line where he's talking to landlord and landlady, and he in the subtitles like, he calls them Paris and Helen of Troy, or they say that about yeah. themselves, and um, he says they're the fated lovers. But it's actually a reference to uh, Return of the Condor Heroes. They refer to themselves as Yang Guo and Xiao Longnü, who are like a married like hero couple from those uh, wuxia film uh, novels. So, um, oh, cool. Yeah, it, it's interesting here because it was a really popular uh, film to bring out in the West, and they did put a lot of effort into translating everything. But we're still in the world where they can't really localize that, so they kind of try to make it something close to it but i think paris right. and Helen of Troy it's kind of weird it actually raises more questions i guess than like like seeing like yeah
2: i suppose i could see someone wondering like oh are they literally them yeah,
1: yeah. real
0: quick i'm gonna listen to that because i didn't listen to that in the oh in the dub so I'm, I'm, I'm curious oh, what nice. they said let me yeah. see if i can am i looking at the legendary tragic couple the great young
2: guo
1: and the dragon's daughter
0: Okay, in the dub they say "Youngwa and the Dragon's Daughter." Whoa! So they that's actually, interesting. so the dub actually stayed more true to it than the than the subtitles that's did. Crazy. That's crazy! Awesome. Huh. So this, of course, breaks into a and in just the first of two insane fights with uh, with the three of them. Um, and it's uh, I mean, it's really it's really remarkable because it like it it escalates pretty fast. 'Cause he's just kinda toying with them, uh, to start with. Like they're yeah, kind of throwing totally. all their best and he's like they're moving in slow motion and he's moving in full motion and
2: Yeah, totally. And this is just this sequence maybe especially is a it just shows the great marriage between the um action design and the wire work and where the CG enters, um Lots of really effective moments here. I love when it initially breaks out and you have the kind of slow-mo um, particles, playing cards, whatever, moving as they're striking these poses. And kind of like you were saying, Carlos, where we're using the wire work to create these freeze frames. So it's not like a bullet time matrix thing. It's actually a little more tangible than that. And Yeah, really cool.
1: tangible is the perfect word for it. Um, I, I also heard uh, Bruce Lung mentioning how it was actually pretty hard for him for the sequence because he's only wearing like a tank top and shorts and sandals so (laughs) one there's like no padding that you can use and two he's fighting with these sandals and it was really slippery (laughs) so um to come back after so long and kind of be put through the ringer like this is even more commendable to me
0: (laughs) yeah he looks great though because there's there's a lot of scenes yeah. where you're like, yeah, that is 100 percent him doing that. So. Yeah, his form yeah, is for perfect. Sure.
1: Um, yeah. yeah, there's a sequence where he does like a like a hop kick. It's like maybe like a three second sequence of him versus the t- the two other masters, and there's no real wire work for that shot, and there's no real like CG, and it I don't know, it just looks super cool to me. Yeah. The other factor that we gotta mention too is that they're. Uh, the uh, landlord and landlady brought this funeral bell and it's basically like they're kind of flex, like, Hey, like this is it for you. And um, Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. But another thing that I read that I liked was that the word for bell is Zhong. And that's actually similar to the word for end or terminal. So end is Zhong, but a different character and terminal is Zhongduan. So, like it's kind of like a double meaning, so that's yeah, yeah, one of the ways that it works. um awesome, but I also think it's so cool because the bell itself is a factor in this fight. and <laughs> it's one of these awesome young yeah. Ping situations where you have a character in the middle of a fight, but their focus is on another task, and uh having yeah, her totally. kind of like she's smacking the top of the bell to break it, and you don't really understand it until it's revealed. And it's so amazing.
0: Yeah, it's it's actually it's kind of video gamey. Yes, it's like yeah. it, it's like well, we have to use the 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 weakness, or, or he's he's somewhat weak to this, but you have to use the power up to amplify your abilities or whatever. Because right. yep. she breaks off the top of the bell and uses it like a like a horn or whatever to to like amplify a, yeah. her uh, her lion's roar. Yeah, because through yeah, this so,
1: whole so sequence, great. you see him uh the beast in the middle of this fight he's honestly pretty happy the whole time and this is the first moment where you see him kind of get this worried look on his yeah. face it's it's perfect well i
2: love how they're all playing this because um you know by this point in the film we've had a lot of kind of cartooniness and some wildness but um there is like a savagery to to the fight in mm-hmm. the way they're they're all playing it and really the a lot more kind of viscerally violent than, than what we've had for a while in the film. And um, yeah, I love how that gets contrasted by how we we finish. Also we should mention the effects for when she's like inhaling before. Yeah. yeah um, it's like this use very of bizarre. like
1: squash and stretch, yeah. but on a human body. It's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah.
2: Very Looney Tunesy again. Yeah.
1: I'm into um, it. I like that.
2: I
0: do love too. the, the, the CG where it's like, the the it's like her taking a super deep drag on the cigarette, so it's like yeah. moving. Yeah. And you see it ashing all the way down, yeah. and then it flying towards the camera whenever she she yells.
1: Yeah, it's really really cool. So they end up in like the stalemate where they're locked in a, a kind of a hole together, and yeah, it's um, like
2: kung fu standoff,
0: <laughs> like <laughs> like super yeah. hold kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And uh Brother Sum sees this advantage and he grabs like a table leg and he tells sing to to hit the beast. And um well, no no no. He he tells him to like just to, to, to finish yeah, off the landlady out. Land, land. yeah.
2: yeah. And this is like our kind of our turning point here at a moment. Right. Trance that's through,
1: why so. I kinda of jumped the gun. So then he ends up yeah. taking that moment. To, well one he smacks uh brother sum and brother sum freaks out like in this maniacal way i feel like brother sum's character is like kind of like the character you'd see in another movie that was like the wild card that would end up becoming like the main antagonist towards the third act yeah but it's actually yeah, like the sure. opposite of that because we have the beast here so um once he hits brother sum he reacts and he goes to hit the beast so he smacks him in the head and then the beast just totally destroys him And such yeah. a like
2: bruce long's acting here yeah oh so scary
1: yep such a cool moment uh he punches him straight through the chest and you see yeah. like it burst from the back of like his suit like erupts behind him and you get like this awesome axe kick i love that axe kick so much mm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and he it is rough like he pounds sing into like his head like into Oblivion. the ground yeah. mm-hmm. and i love that after he hits him this once there's blood coming off of his fist sing still grabs like this little piece of wood and tries <laughs> yeah. to like hit him <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah futilely like taps yeah. him on the head yeah. Yeah. and it's around this time i think is like the first time in the score for the film where you kind of hear like a cue like that's reminiscent of the Matrix itself, like that kind of swelling, kind of string,
2: kind of. Yeah, moment. I thought there was an actual lift, it, or like maybe a, that's, a needle drop. Yeah, it, it could Don be
1: Davis's score. Yep. Yeah, this is the first time that you you see that, and um there's a moment of hesitation here after he struck Sing, and then you realize that the Masters have uh taken Sing away, and they're making their way as fast as they can. And this is also the final moment for Brother Sum because uh, the Beast isn't taking any lip from no one now. <laughs> and he just smacks Brother Sum and his head spins like a swivel. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's very Looney Tunes. Yep. But it decides in this part to, to not be Looney Tunes logic. He's just dead. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So now the the landlord and landlady somehow Sing isn't dead and they take him. Uh, to like the shrine they kind of like ask him for like last words or like what we can do or something like that and he draws a lollipop with his bloody hand
2: yeah and then it cuts to this beautiful transition like perfectly aligned yeah. of um our uh yeah mute uh ice cream vendor she's been trying to glue the shards of the lollipop that Mm-hmm. that Stephen smashed together. And yeah, I love that shot. It's like, it's constructed so perfectly. Even how, when she lifts it up, how the pieces fall, just, it looks great. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, and then we see Bone um, in this beautiful kind of dreamy slow motion as he's just kind of sitting on the street and he's looking up at something and we realize it's that that roost um, that we mentioned earlier that um, has the marks of all of his... Um, punches and handprints and basically the buddhist palm technique um, from earlier in the film when he was recovering from those knife wounds
1: yeah and now we go back to pigsty alley and um so it's basically like seeing his sacrifice that he made was kind of like the last thing that he needed to do to earn like basically this enlightenment and um i mean just like the butterfly that we saw at the beginning of the film, he's going to go through a transformation now. And uh we've got the Axe gang showing up with seemingly uh the beast as a leader. He's got some nice new clothes <laughs> that he's yeah, wearing. And
0: he has a great big old scar on his head.
1: Yep. And you've yeah. got the two masters kind of talking to each other about how Singh should have been dead. But they're like, well, I mean, unless... Because there's something they mentioned like throughout the film, maybe once or twice before that, about people just being like basically Kung Fu genius that they can just their body is tuned to Kung Fu. And um, as you see them talking about that, it cuts to the outside and you see uh, the beast noticing a butterfly uh, come out of its cocoon. Mm-hmm. So you've got all these yeah. kind of imagery building up to this final. Well, sequence. and things
2: bandages are so um so complete that it it he's almost cocooned. In <laughs> yeah, the it's well. it's actually it's it's pretty funny because yeah. he's like yeah.
0: he's like a mummy looking kind of thing. Yep. Um. But then they do at some point, show it like his after he's got out of the bandages and he does it literally does look like a a cocoon. Yeah. Um. And speaking of the Matrix, the landlady at one point literally says
1: he's the one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> but I like the kind of fake out that leads you into this fight where the mm-hmm. axe gang is all focused on one door. And as you see, uh, Sing opened the door from his apartment. Uh, it cuts to that door and you see that it's actually the beast coming out of the door that they were huddled mm-hmm. around. And then he looks down and he-, he can see that Sing has opened up the door a floor down from them. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, this is again just brilliant editing here.
0: Now we get to see uh Stephen Chow in full kung fu mood. Now <laughs> he's got this great—he's got this great outfit. Now it's very, very reminiscent of Bruce Lee, especially whenever his his shirt comes off later.
1: Oh yeah, and I mean definitely like here also like the white shirt, like Enter the Dragon. Um, yes, and you've yeah, got yeah, totally. these like slow motion shots, some very reminiscent of like. You know Bruce Lee doing the step kick. Well, mm-hmm. and, and,
2: and it escalates so beautifully. Like we really ramp up to him even throwing a punch at all. Mm-hmm. Like his his first few movements are all evasive, and um, yeah, it's just a really well designed scene. Kind of the coming together of Stephen and Yun Ping is really perfect.
1: Yeah. I, I think they're um, my favorite uses of a toe stomp <laughs> in in. <movie laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Speaking of effects, we've seen in other movies in this arc that are in here uh yeah the the toe stomp like like the the
1: flattened out toes and stuff, and I love that it kind of elicits this kind of smirk out of the beast. He's like, oh, what kind of move is this guy up to and mm-hmm. uh, it bursts off from the balcony into the main uh market, i mean the like the square plaza, the main plaza, yeah. yeah, the main plaza, and uh, you've got all the assailants attacking sing and. He's, and Steven's
2: kicks look really nice here. Yeah, his
1: form is great. He he's really channeling Bruce Lee in the perfect way. Oh yeah, yeah. This is like a it's like an anime version of Bruce Lee. It kind yeah, of yeah know, yeah
0: because yeah, he's doing all the kicks, but it's not just the guys flying off the screen. It's them like literally flying into like you know the doors and the banisters and stuff around the town and and eventually them just all flying up into the air
1: yeah yeah, yeah you even got the moment with like pinball like sound effects yeah yeah that's
0: right there's a pinball sound Yeah, everything
1: that. in the background like all the practical like uh railings and everything are getting busted up actually the production designer said that one of the problems with the set they created was that they were putting it through so much that they had to reinforce it a handful of times while they were filming because they just oh, kept breaking sure. it. He also said it was like kind of on a swamp-like foundation, so it was starting to sink mm. as they were. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's funny. That's pretty crazy. So he's uh, slowly making his way through all the Axe Gang members to the beast himself and that's actually really i love that
2: shot that lingers on Mm. the beast yeah
1: yeah it's a kind of almost like a one take where he's like making his way through this corridor on his way to the beast but it cuts away but then it's actually for comedic effect because when he cuts to the shot of him standing in front of the beast you see that there's like dudes hanging from the ceiling (laughs) and hanging out out of windows and stuff so i think that's that's really fun but here's the moment that i was mentioning earlier where they use strings to hold on these frozen poses so the first attacks that sing lands on the beast are all framed like in these like static poses and each of them look really cool on their own
0: yeah and and, uh, it starts like the the fight ends up becoming this crazy like super high wuja stuff but it really a lot of it starts off pretty like on the ground just like really cool fighting but you can definitely tell that that sing is the the one with the advantage here
1: Mm -hmm. and you get some like um honestly like really high level like multiple step choreography you've got some shots that Mm -hmm. are maybe like 10-second-long shots that are just um, going back and forth, maybe, like, 15 steps of a choreography. I like there's, uh, like, some chain punches in there, like some Wing Chun chain punches. Yeah, yeah. You've also got another uh, uh, stomp-the-toe moment that actually makes the Beast, like, in excruciating pain. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's in the middle of delivering a line, and he just screams. (laughs) I love that a lot.
0: But then he has to pull out his 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 oh, secret man. technique, um, which is the toad style, but he literally like basically turns into a toad. Yeah, like he's on he's on all fours in the ground and like his neck like puffs out <laughs> like a toad. Yeah. It's very bizarre. This but is he... uh
1: um it's another actual wuxia uh nod here. So the Kunlun frog style actually also originates from uh Louis Cha wuxia novel. Uh, legend of the condor it's... heroes and uh one of yeah, the characters Ouyang yeah. Feng, uh he used the toad skill and and different versions you'll see it actually represented this way actually think of um uh the wangkar wai ashes of time um so mm, it's an adaption yeah. of legend of condor heroes also but it's it's weird because ashes of time came out but there was also like a goofy version of the same film basically called um it's called the eagle shooting heroes and actually uh <laughs> tony lung plays that same character and in that film he does kind of a similar thing where he's flying around like a frog <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> awesome <laughs> yeah. but that's where that uh technique originates from
0: so the nice. AT, uh, this culminates he uh kind of is on the ropes here and gets kicked up into the sky, like really, really high into <laughs> the sky, um, so much so that he he steps on like an eagle to to catch his balance <laughs> while he's in the sky. Yeah. Um, and, and then we, we s- hear
2: the sound effect when he steps on it. It's, it's yeah,
0: yeah, awesome. And we see like this this cloud that looks like Buddha, and he comes flying back down, and like his. He has his hands like in like a prayer position. Uh, uh and like he starts catching on fire like it's like a, a ship re entering the atmosphere. Oh
1: man, isn't <laughs> yeah. that cool?
0: Um it's pretty good. <laughs> um and that's whenever we get to see him actually do his his Buddhist palm technique, and there's like this giant imprint of a hand <laughs> on the ground.
1: I love that the there's this yeah, moment where it's the really striking the the masters are talking about like this rumored technique but it almost seems like they're saying like the only way to actually do it would be to be launched up into the sky so like there are yeah. these like extreme circumstances that could only create this move i i love that idea it's so goofy actually the um yeah I don't the like japanese it. release of this movie um is basically the image of it is of him re-entering the atmosphere so it's like <laughs> Stephen Chow, like at a perspective with the hand forward. The
2: the poster, you
1: mean? Yeah, I, I've seen like the yeah, like yeah. the either the poster or the DVD of it, and I was like, "What is that?" And I was like, "Oh, that's like their version of the cover for Kung Fu Hustle." Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And the, there's some other in like other regions. This movie has some different titles too. I think I forget where, but in some regions it's called Kung Fusion, which is like. Oh, like, jokey. Cause it's, it's, kind
0: of I saw that because it's like a pun on confusion. Yeah. So, tongue yeah.
1: fusion. I forgot where that was. I just think of that now. <laughs> yeah. But he lands and his shirt's ripped off yeah. now. So, even of more course. Bruce Lee like. And you yeah, get yeah. this kind of basically full on Matrix like score right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. And
2: it's crazy. Like at the time, didn't realize this, but Stephen must have already been conscious that this was, he really was considering kind of like retiring from from acting and even though he has like a supporting part in his his follow-up film this this really is his final like leading man role and so i mean kind of viewed um in that way you see it's like his final on-screen hero gets to like actually reach like moksha or nirvana or like fulfillment or something yeah Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i like that a lot Mm -hmm. there's been talk i think with this uh new king of comedy that came out recently people i i'm assuming people always ask if he's gonna follow up kung fu hustle and he said that he is kind of planning on doing it but he won't be the lead role for it so i'd almost imagine it could be something like new king of comedy where um it's not really a sequel or not really a remake but it's kind of like um, like a
0: reimagining or yeah, something
1: like that yeah but that's like the final moments of his fight with the beast he mm-hmm. um well and what's what's great yeah.
2: is um it yeah there's like a really cool virtue here cuz the beast is like looking up at him and he's like what is that technique is yeah. like we mentioned all he really cares about is like a great opponent and a great fight And Steven's character says, I'll teach it to you. And as he's looking up at him, it's like the sun is like shining um, behind Singh. And it's like he looks like this kind of like heavenly figure or something. And, um, yeah, really great acting from from Bruce so that like he falls to his knees and calls him master.
0: Yeah, really cool. And then we get our our final kind of our final shot of the movie, the 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 mute girl. Does she ever get a name? She really should have a name. <laughs>
1: it's um, funny, every time she comes up, we struggle. What what are we calling her? That's hilarious. <laughs> do they I guess
2: her character's name is Fong, but I don't remember
1: yeah, I it don't... being like actually said No, they don't yeah. they don't say it in the
0: movie. Yeah. Um, but uh she's like is pushing her cart around and she sees all the kids with lollipops and she sees there's like this new candy store that's being run by by Bone and Sing. And there's this amazing shot where it's the two of them like looking at each other in the street, and the camera's spinning around. And as one person comes back into frame, it's the like the kid version of them, and then the two of them. Yeah,
2: I don't know if it was a motion control shot or yeah. how is it, but it's really well, it's really yeah, well really done. Really well done.
0: Um, and then the two of them grab hands and run to the store. It's very cute. Happy end. And we see. And we see the uh, – it's fun because you can see the other people in the background are the people from Pigsty Alley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They're this ni- much nicer but, town now. Right.
2: They're kind of in the in the high life now. And then the camera comes down and we see like in the immediate foreground is this little boy. looks kind of like Alfalfa from <laughs> yeah. The Little Rascals and has he's like this crazy yellow snot coming <laughs> out of his nose. Yeah, And he's looking a lollipop. And then we hear from – um off screen, um kind of a familiar voice and it's Yun Chun like beggar character again. Um and he's he's pitching the same <laughs> the same idea to this little yeah. boy. Um but it's nice. Um he's after sharing the Buddhist palm manual he says like oh well that's just like the start of it. And then he fans out and he has multiple manuals and um all these different you know wuxia styles and then Mm -hmm. the camera kind of pushes in on the little boy and and kind of with this look of wonder whatever Mm -hmm.
0: that's it yeah so cool yeah that's kung fu hustle yeah no it's a it's a super fun movie and it's really cool again revisiting these movies it it actually kind of makes me want to revisit some of like the very first movies we did because This is scary, y'all. But this is gonna be our fifth year doing this, (laughs) dude. Um, Because we started in twenty seventeen. Does not add up. Um, Wow. So I I kind of makes me want to revisit some of like the early stuff we did because it'd be cool to kind of get new all this new context that I have for it now.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I I love that about the podcast because um yeah I just have this new appreciation for all this stuff that I already liked and yeah i have gone back i mean especially recently because they keep releasing all these nice blu-ray versions (laughs) and i've been buying them all right yeah (laughs) so um it's super fun to go back and check out these films again and yeah yeah. just realize like i mean it's it's like you're i don't know it's like we're taking a college class (laughs) because we have all this extra knowledge now and then when you go back you're like oh wait I see all these faces and I know all these and I know why they did this. And I know yeah. why this is happening. And there's more now. like
0: cultural context too. Cause like you're studying all the wuja stuff and uh, yeah. like, you know, I I now can tell if a person's doing a thing that's a hungar style or a tai chi or yeah. a, you know,
1: dude, how cool. It,
0: and that's, that's just really cool to, be able to just have that in your head now yeah
1: and thank you listeners for listening to us ramble about this crap <laughs> yeah for real we yeah, <laughs> made it this honestly. far <laughs> yeah i knew this would be a longer episode but it's worth yeah. it
2: just yeah just appreciate you guys <laughs> yeah. so much it's yeah like, oh, thanks, Martin. um yeah definitely something about this film is like creating this like moment of of reflection kind of like you're saying matthew of like oh wow look at how far we've come mm-hmm. and also like Yeah, just look at how far Hong Kong cinema came, you know, from kind of the early days up until this film. And it just, yeah, what an achievement.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, across the board, the production value was really getting, uh, matching that Hollywood level. And in a lot of ways, outdoing Hollywood when it came to um, action, obviously. But uh, theming in the film, scoring in the film just the overall package is just so polished and so uh, tasty you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah tasty is the way to describe it really really fun but um i like you said i think it was on netflix for quite some time now it isn't anymore but who knows when that'll happen again and um but it's still pretty widely available uh
0: yeah definitely this is one of the more widely available movies that we've talked about and. I think uh, we'll have to see, but this might be the last of the of the big Hong Kong movies or Chinese movies that I had seen before the podcast started. Yeah, there wasn't that many. And I think we might have gotten all of them. So,
2: yep, yeah, I gotcha.
0: Cool stuff. Well, thank you so much for listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, then please leave us a review on whatever you're listening to this on. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We're at Heroes, the number three on all three of them. And that wraps up this uh, Stephen Chow arc. But before we dive into our next big, big, big arc, we're going to uh, look into something else kind of on the side for a second there. And what's that all about, Carlos? So um, what's our training for next week? I yeah, guess that's this will, this will the be
1: the just conference. kind of a more of a fun look at stuff that I already like. So I thought it'd be <laughs> a fun idea to take a look at. Um, and I may have a better title for this as the episode comes out, but basically, mm-hmm. analogs of Bruce Lee in video games. So, you guys know yeah. I love fighting games and, uh, I guess video games in general. And I thought it'd be. Was say, Bruce Lee's in a lot of stuff. Yeah, it'd be fun to kind of showcase that a little bit. So, it should be a little shorter, funner episode. Not funner, <laughs> but, mm. um,. Yeah, and that—that's a very obvious clue to where we're headed. So yeah, uh, definitely. We'll see you next time.
0: Well, until next time, where we're taking a look at the Bruce Lees and fighting games. I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos, and we are the Heroes Three. Remember your training.